Hey Rivers, are you learning how to surf? But are you a kook or a beginner? There is a difference, you know. And since there's many ways to be a kook, tune in this week as Eric Schwab and myself continue a three-part series about how to read a surf forecast and make a call about the best time and place to surf. If you don't know by now, us surfers love to spot a kook. But don't stress it, because we've all kooked it at some point. But the more you know, the less you'll kook it. So pull up your favorite surf forecasting site and get ready to learn. The KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom one episode at a time. And hopefully offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education program, the Surf Continuum. Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, thanks for checking back in with us. Hopefully we haven't overwhelmed you yet or overheated the, <laughs> the upstairs. Um, if you listened to our first two weeks of surf forecasting discussion, you realize that surf is uh, what the waves look like at the beach is, is pretty, pretty complex. Yeah, pretty deep, pretty <laughs> complex. Uh, that's the voice of Eric Schwab, my good friend, school teacher and excellent photographer. You should absolutely check out his work if you don't already know it. Uh, you can find them uh, as Salty Visions with a Z at the end of Visions. Uh, I think that's your website too, right? SaltyVisions.com. Yeah, SaltyVisions.com, at SaltyVisions. Um, check it out. Good stuff. Uh, but he's also a really talented um, and, and just passionate surf forecaster, surf, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Forecaster, you know? Surf forecaster, yeah. Um... Know, we like to, Surfers want to know where the best waves are going to be at a particular time. And, uh, and that comes down to these three topics we've been talking about over the past, uh, well, this is going to be the third week. Uh, the first week was wind. Second week was swell. That was last week. Please go check that out. And today we're going to talk about tide. Um, yeah, and so, just because I'm going to play devil's advocate here, okay. I will say that this last little piece, um, Chris and I definitely, we have some slightly, I would say, differing opinions about Tide. But I think we align on a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the scientific aspects. The scientific aspect, not, the, not I would, the scientific aspects. We can't. No, we can't argue on. Right, right. But, well, but as far as how much Tide really affects swell. Um, and, and really the importance of it, which is why we kind of saved this one for last, um, because yeah. swell and wind are definitely the, the two biggest things. Um, and I, I think when, when Chris and I were coming up with the outline for this podcast, um, because we wanted it to be structured so it could deliver the most content to you, um, we, were, we were basically joking that, you know, and we even mentioned it in, the, I forget if it was episode one or two, that, you know, tide is one of the last things that we kind of look at because... If the swell's big enough, the tide might not actually affect it, or the spots that you're used to working a particular way at one particular size start working in a different way with regards to the tide. Mm -hmm. um, but as we keep doing, we're getting ahead of ourselves, and we're expecting <laughs> that everybody knows what the tide is. Right, um, right. So, That's Chris, a good why, don't, why don't you just explain really quickly what the tide is, and then I'll explain where yeah, we get well, the tide I'll from. Yeah, well, I'll let the earth science teacher get into the nitty gritty, but I'll just say the general. Uh, concept, I guess, of it. Um, just, uh, you know, the, the water isn't stagnant. Uh, it's, it's ebbing and flowing, it's rising and falling, and that's the tide. And it has to do with um, much, much bigger um, things than us uh, that we Was that we a joke again? <laughs> no, what? No, I didn't even get Well, I'm I mean, making... these big things that we're dealing with here the moon and the sun, the well, largest no, no, thing that's in the whole was, solar system. That's exactly, the sun. <laughs> that's exactly what I was talking about. I was talking about the moon and the sun, but I wasn't going to get into it because that's, that's your yeah, end. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the scientific aspect that. Much earth, bigger things, much bigger things. The, the earth science teacher will cover really well here. 
Um, so why don't you uh, give us a little lesson on the tide? Sure. So like Chris said, uh, the you know, the believe it or not, the ocean or or most of you I imagine know this. The ocean does ebb and flow. It some for about a few hours of the day, the tide becomes higher than normal, um, which is just the average level of water um, that's that the ocean sits at. Um, if you've ever been sitting on the beach before and have been uh, have your blanket washed away. Uh, you experience the tide coming in. You, you have experience... been a victim of the tide. <laughs> yes, you have been a victim of uh, the moon, <laughs> actually. The moon and the sun. The moon. It's got ya. Um, and, and I'll explain what that means in a second. But the, when the tide is coming in, that means the tide is getting higher. That means the water level is rising. When the tide is going out, that means the water level is getting lower. You're moving towards a lower tide. Um, and these things affect the way waves break. Because remember... Waves feel the bottom of the ocean. These wall, these you know, blocks of energy feel the bottom of the ocean and start breaking over. Once they start kind of rubbing, or you know, there's friction between the the energy and and the bottom of the ocean, the bathymetry of the ocean, and uh, they start breaking. So what causes the tide is, um, believe it or not, it's the the pull of the moon on Earth. And I say largely the moon because the moon is the closest large celestial object to us um, but the sun also plays a small role um, I, I say small role because the moon is what mostly causes the tides but when the sun and the moon and the earth all line up which happens twice a month uh, technically actually three times a month uh, we get higher than normal tides which also result in lower than normal tides basically when the way the tide works is that the whatever side of the earth the moon is on the water gets pulled to that side and it actually also gets pulled to the other side as well Um, i'm not going to get into exactly how or why that happens just know that when there's a high tide on one side of the earth on the other side of the earth there's another high tide and then on the two i don't know what would you call them intermediary i don't know in between the two in between areas of the opposite sides of the earth so kind of like a 90 degree angle to where the one high tide would be if you split earth into four quadrants uh looking down from from the north pole or from bird's eye view would be low tide so if you spun around earth 12 o'clock might be a low tide a high tide might be at uh, three o'clock a low tide's at six and then another high tide is going to be at nine o'clock back to the low tide at 12. Um, sorry, sorry if I <laughs> confused anybody with that. No, that's all right. I, I think. What, did what you I follow s- me or no? I did. It's hard without a diagram. Um, yeah, well, anyway, so presumably people who are really interested in this can go supplement this information with real reading and graphs online. Totally. Um, you know, this is just you know, it's just nice to hear the personal experience of people and specifically surfers who deal with this. So that's why we're doing this. Yeah, and um, and to to you know, once again, to kind of simplify, to backtrack just a, a pinch here. Um, just a pinch. The more the more water there is, the less the wave's going to feel the bottom. The less water there is, the more the wave's going the 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 more you're going to see the wave feel the bottom. Um, you know. I, Chris and I were down at the beach before, and there, the tide was getting higher. I could tell the waves were getting fatter and fatter. They weren't breaking as well as they probably were at the lower tide. Right, especially since the waves were so small. So especially. they were especially affected by the tide incoming. Um, you know, such little waves with water getting deeper and deeper told us that maybe paddling out right now is not the best time, because even though we see one or two waves we like, as we sit after we suit up and kill another 15 minutes and then 
then we paddle out and by the time we're out there we're um, inching closer to that high tide now. right <laughs> and, and and those little tiny waves are going to have a harder and harder time breaking in that deep water um so you know one thing that i take away from from your uh the tide lesson that you just gave is that the tide is never just high or low that's a very black and white way of describing tide and it's one of the reasons why i really it's not a pet peeve but i just i don't know i get a little annoyed when people start talking about like oh it's good at high tide especially around here because you know we don't have these spots that are super tide dependent i know some of you probably do live in areas like that but we don't but what really bothers me about those kind of statement is that a, a high tide is not the same as it was yesterday's high tide you know and so when you start looking at your tide charts one thing you're going to have to start noticing is that the high tide is a certain amount of feet above average and the low tide is a certain amount of feet at average or below or sometimes even above but the point is that it varies so high and low are very two vague descriptors of what the tide is actually doing. And just to clarify what Chris is saying, you know, this changes from month to month, but but let's let's focus on one month because the tide cycle, the the moon cycle is is one month. Mm-hmm. During a high uh, during a full moon is when we get extremely high tides. During a new moon, 2 weeks later is when we also get extremely high and low tides. Mm-hmm. Remember, if there's a very high tide, we also get very low tides which means that the water is going to be swinging a lot, meaning that there's going to be a lot of water moving as that tide is sucking out or coming back in. Um, and, and just to put some numbers on this stuff for you guys, here on Long Island, I would say we, we don't get much of a tidal range of more than four or five feet. Yeah, exception will be five. I mean, yeah. six. If I see six, I'm like, whoa, Eric, did you see the tide? Yeah, and, and, and what we mean by that is from, from low tide to high tide, there might be like on average like a three to, or four foot tide range. Range, yeah. So if, if you're sitting on the beach and you're three feet above where the average height of the water is, there's a chance at high tide that water is going to be touching your toes. Right, right. And that's an important po- point you just made without even realizing, I think, is that the range is not describing how far up and down the beach the water goes, but how high the water rises. So if, if the water rises three feet, that can actually, if the beach is a very s- gradual slope, the water can come way up the beach. Um, but I just this like is, that you said uh, that. Yeah, and th- I think this is best seen uh, at a dock. Um, you, you can literally go to a dock at low yeah, tide and you vertical. can see exactly where the high tide was because there's a line on there, right, right, um, right. which, which is cool. And, and it, you know, if you are really interested in this next time you're down at a marina or a dock, take a look at one of the boat slips and take a look at the, you know, the, the, the crusty Islands. old wood and, and look at the lines on it and see, you know, try to, try to, try to determine on your own, Hey, is this high tide right now or is this low tide? Mm. Well, I don't see any lines above where the water is slapping up against that pole right there. So must be high tide. And just get an idea of it. Um, because yeah. next time you go down at high tide, it may even be higher. Mm. Or the next high, high tide might actually be lower than that. And that, once again, is based upon if the moon and sun are working together to pull on that tide, which we would call a spring tide. Or if the moon and sun are kind of working in opposite directions and they're they're you know, we canceling would call it a neap, kind of canceling each other out. We would call it a neap tide where mm-hmm. the tidal swing just isn't as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so how does this all relate to swell? And I'm going to, I'm going to send it back over to Chris and I'm going to, or should I say surf? How does this all relate to what the surf looks like on the yeah, beach? Yeah, I think tide really has little effect on the swell. Remember if, from the last episode that swell describes the energy coming from the source as it travels across the ocean. But the surf is what we're talking about. Um, the waves breaking on the beach. And so it's my opinion, this is where we start to disagree maybe a little, or maybe we feel 
All right. I was just going to jump back in, but I'm going to let you finish. Go, go ahead, ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 no. All right. No. I want all my fuel to come back at you. <laughs> okay. So basically the way I personally feel about Tide, it's my least favorite variable because it, like we were just saying, it's varying heights all the time. Um, and not to mention that the swell is also going to be different. So this, it's really hard, in my opinion, to determine what tide is good. Because last swell, when you thought, okay, it was perfect at mid-tide, this next swell is a little bigger or smaller. So it, it, that middle tide and, is not And the, same. the middle tide might not be and as high or as low as it was. And the middle tide might be two feet higher than the last middle tide. So it's just, like, in my opinion, it's, like, very hard to make a prediction in advance. Unless you really start looking it. at those title numbers. Okay, maybe. Which is but, a whole other factor, which I do not But let me just do. finish. Uh, so <laughs> what I do feel about the tide is that... Well, now you want to finish, huh? Yeah, yeah. now, yeah, now, yeah, now you let me go, so whatever. let me run. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do feel strongly about the tide is that you can make direct observations and judgments. So, for example, today we were just talking about how we were checking out the waves and how they were pretty small and they were a little fat and we knew the tide was coming in. So we both agreed that Man, in a little while, the tide's going to be too high, and these waves are just going to disappear. Eat or, these waves off. Yeah, and just, they're just going to fall into the depth and not have enough traction against the bottom to really stand up and break the way we'd enjoy to surf them. And how that would look on most beaches would be that the waves just aren't breaking on the outside, and they're just coming in, maybe they're lapping on the beach. Yeah, maybe on a sandbar beach, you yeah. know, like, but, but on a reef, maybe different. The, the point is that for me, personally, when I, when I think about the tide, or, or people ask me about what, how I think the tide's going to be tomorrow, I say the same thing every time. I don't know. But when it's tomorrow, and I'm looking at the ocean, then I'll have an opinion about the tide, and if I'd prefer it to be a little lower or a little higher, because then I feel like... Because little... if you go down there at a low tide, and, and the waves look fat already... And you know that the way the, the the tide's just coming in more for the next well, six then I'm, hours. Then I'm going to a different beach. The, yeah, then you're either going to a different beach or, or maybe, yeah, I mean, if there's enough swell in the water, you know, yeah. you're going to go to a different beach. But, but you're going you to have to find a different if you're going to the If you're going to the good, consistent spot and you show up and at low tide, the tide just looks really fat, you might be throwing in the towel for the day. Yeah, because yeah. Because well, there's not a chance that magically, you know, the water level is going to get lower and those, those waves are going to be showing. Well, talk about devil's advocate. What if the swell's building? If this, well, that's another variable, Chris. Okay, but I want to start talk, I want to start showing people how these are all interrelated. Like, it's not just, okay, at low tide. Oh, yeah, tide, well, well, maybe the swell's <laughs> building, but I heard the wind's going to come on shore later. So you better get in, dude. Exactly. You better get in. <laughs> exactly. So you see how all these things come into play. And this is the stuff that surfers are talking about with each other. They're like, oh, man, it looks pretty bad and the tide's low. It's going gonna, it's gonna to only come up more and get fatter. Yeah, but, dude, the wind's coming on shore later, you know, or well, we got to get in now. I mean, there's just so many back and forth ping pong matches of, of you know, Theories information, theory, yeah, and when and why is it the best time to go. Um, okay, so go ahead. What were I, you going to say before? I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to Tide, uh, I would have to say that a lot of spots, um, specific, a lot of sandbar spots, although I could think of some that are the opposite, you know, a lower tide usually gets your wave to show a little bit better, but sometimes a lower tide is too low and you start getting closeouts. Um, so there, that's one variable. You had said that it doesn't really affect the swell. Sometimes I feel like it does on an incoming tide. So when the tide's going from low to high, I feel that sometimes swell gets pushed in with the tide. And I notice this at different spots more than others um this is i wouldn't say this is at every spot i've noticed it at but i know that there's certain spots where there's just a lot of water moving through that area especially when the tide's changing that actually will either just shut a swell off completely 
or that incoming tidal push will actually help push more swell in. Not, not that more swell is being generated, but more of the existing swell. Um, so, so that was one piece that I wanted. To right. Add and I know that fully. I've heard it all my life. Like, oh, maybe with the incoming tide, you know, there'll be a little push. And, and I just, you know what? I got to say it. I disagree. I think, it's, I think it's kind of a fallacy because tide is not coming in. It's filling. Nope. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> You're off the podcast. I'm off the podcast. <laughs> Erase it all. <laughs> no, but seriously, like that's how, because the tide is, is but do not you know, do an you, in and out thing. The tide's have, not in and out. The tide is up and down. Do you, do you, do you recognize the idea though, that there are certain spots that this, what yeah, I'm and saying I feel, is more I of a, feel that they are in spots, uh, but it's not because the tide is coming in or out. It's because the tide, because a, a result of the tide coming in and out is current. You know, like as, as the, the bay empties into the ocean, it creates a current of water flowing out of the bay into the ocean. So there are spots where that flow of water coming out of the bay goes against the way the wave would be breaking. And yes, in that case, I would say it's killing the swell because the tide's going out. But actually, I wouldn't even and word these, it like and that. And once again, these are just the spots that we're familiar with right, around right, here. Right. I imagine that there's places around the world where, where tides are very important because there's a lot more water moving. There's, For instance. There certainly is. Maine. Right. Bay of Fundy, 40-foot tidal range. Talking about tide, that means low tide and high tide, there's a 40-foot difference. You can literally, there's, in the Bay of Fundy, you can go and you can walk on the ocean floor, but you better get off of that ocean floor before the tide starts filling in, because before you know it, there will be 35 feet of water on top of your head. Right. Um, where, where the boats go from full-on, well, you know. Hopefully you can swim in under your feet. For, <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say before is that I wouldn't even word it that the tide... Uh, emptying is gonna is what's killing swell. I would say that the tide ebbing, like the flow of the water, you know. So and if the swell got better, well, and that's or, why I said the incoming push or the out, you know. Right. Once flood. that water okay, is really but, either flooding in or flooding out. Yeah. Yes. For me, it's just not a general. I don't generally expect an incoming tide to help the swell. I think it can. I just don't. Think I would it's a say that rule. I would say that it's it's more of the outgoing tide where I notice this, less the incoming. It's not that magically the swell gets bigger or better. Uh, a lot of times I just feel like the outgoing when the water is being pushed off of the beach, I do notice that you know the the, the big sets stop coming or or there's less of them or and it could also be completely in my head and I'm complete you know like we we like to you know especially people who are into this stuff. You like to look at it and try to find solutions for everything, right, or try you to just want to answer all, or the just try to admit things that make sense. Like to me, my idea that I'm presenting right now makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, is it a reality? Well, it's a, it's actually a really hard thing to prove. And once again, every spot, different variables, different swell directions, different you know, different tides. Hot, was this a, was this a a, a, a f- you know, a spring tide or is this a neap tide we're talking about? Or right, right, you know, right. whatever it might be. Once again, going back to all the variables huge part of the so here's here's the way i feel about the tide my general feeling uh my conclusion is that for every swell remember the swell is the height the interval and the direction for every swell there's a perfect amount of water on your sandbar or on your reef that that swell will be that particular swell will break the best and i feel this because on those days where we're just spending all day at the beach on a good swell you know those moments of the day where you're like whoa Look at how good the waves are. You should have been here before, (laughs) (laughs) But you you know those moments where you're like, damn. And I never felt that it was related always to the outgoing or always to the incoming. It was just, 
a moment in the tide, a freeze frame of the tide, the water Probably level for height. an hour, maybe even just a half hour. Right, exactly. A window of time in the water where the water was just the right amount of depth over that sandbar where the waves were breaking. Not and they closing just were perfect. out, just perfectly peeling. Right, and then as the water came up a little bit more, then it got fat again and the waves weren't as good. Still good swell, still fine, but not as good a shape. Yeah. And for me, it's just that window of the tide. And that's, and that's the part that I always say, I don't know when that's going to be. Because this particular swell is totally different than the one that was before. And it broke at this particular tide. And so is the tide different. So all I know is that I try to be at the beach for as long as possible and keep my eyes on it, you know, and, and be ready for that window. And know? once again, like you said, when it comes to tide and actually assessing the final, your final take on when you're going to surf in the day, it's that first glance. I know generally with my first glance of the waves in the day, I have a good idea of what time of day that I'm going to surf based on my knowledge of what the wind's going to do. Mm -hmm. And this is when the tide comes into play, right. what the tide's going to do. And it's good you said that because it's like, it's like you get that first glance and you have all these things that come into your head. Okay, what's the swell doing? What's the wind doing? What's the tide doing? Yeah. And, and you start getting an idea and you start honing in on what you want. And then you're talking to your friends like, what does it look over at that beach? What does it look at that beach? Is it very different or is it pretty much what I'm seeing? And then you start usually coming to a conclusion together like, yeah, we should wait till the tide drops out a little bit. The wind's still gonna be offshore then, so it's all good to wait. And the, tide, the swell's not dying, so let's, let's, let's wait. And before we paint this big dismal picture that this is this really, really, you know, complex, hard thing to do, um, it is. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> it is very hard. Yeah. It is very hard I to do. I was hoping you weren't going to say, like, um, no, it's easy. No, but, but, but listen, you know, do Chris and I spend any more uh, spend time going to every single beach to check this stuff out? No, because we know on certain swell and wind directions, it's not even worth it to go look at that spot. So no, we're not spending our whole day checking, sp not all the time anyway. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> there are days, I will tell you, there are days where we spend lots of time driving. Welcome to surfing. More time driving than actually surfing. Um, but, but largely during specific swell directions and wind directions and tides, Chris and I will avoid places altogether because we just know from our experience, from our studying, that it, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen in that particular spot. Um, and, and I just wanted to backtrack once again to my low tide comment. Um, you know, there are spots where at low tide, the waves break too far out and the outside wave is not good. So you want to actually wait for the high tide so those waves miss that outer bar and come in and what we would call a reform on the inside that only happens at a higher tide. Mm. Um, so, you know, these are just, just to kind of clarify that tide is also a strong variable. Um, but each beach has kind of its own flavor. And yes, I do think that some breaks work better at high tides and other breaks work better at low tides. But remember the tide changes from day to day, week to week. And then when I say minute. tide, the height of the tide. Right. A high tide one week might not be good on the same exact swell, same exact wind direction at that spot the next week because that tide's a foot and a half higher than it was the week before. Right. That's not going to help you. Right. And this is why I always say, like, who knows with the tide? That is just, it's such a dynamic, tricky one. I mean, we're just, you know, we're just able to, like, break down and understand what's happening with the swell and the wind, but mix the tide into that and it's like... Phew, you really, this, that's why I always just say you got to just wait until you see the ocean. Yeah. But, you know, like you had said, and, you know, just cover our ass a little bit, that um, there are places in the world where they are tide dependent entirely. Like, you don't surf those spots at low tide. But I think those places are a lot fewer than the places that are just 
different at different tides. No, well, yeah, you no, know? and and you know, there's there's places at low tide, especially over like these razor sharp reefs, that you literally cannot surf at low tide because the reef is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to surf at a high tide, or you know, there's there's and and I I would say that more common than not you can't surf it at high tide because the wave is just too fat or, you know, but, but if, if you're a beginner, maybe that's what you're looking for. You know, um, a lot of times I'll send my, my, uh, my clients to, uh, certain places at a high tide because I know the wave is going to be softer and, and it's a good entry to that slightly hollow or maybe beach break wave. No, like, why don't you go try this outer sandbar at like a mid or a high tide? It's going to be soft. You're not going to get work too badly, you know, and, and you might have a lot of fun. The rides might be short and a little slow and mushy, but at least you're getting the bearings of that particular beach. Right. Well, you can't have both. You can't have an exciting, thrilling ride and, <laughs> and, listen, and, and an listen, easy... Listen, an exciting, thrilling ride, I've seen people be pretty excited and thrilled on a one-foot wave, Chris. So, I don't know. Well, then <laughs> it's it, all relative. But then you don't have to say it's gonna, it might be slow and mushy, you know? Like, so what? That's still exciting and I mean, I guess that would be my opinion of it, but they might not feel that way. Right. Well, that's what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Don't corner me. Um, one, one last thing, you know, this, this was something that kept actually reoccurring that we haven't talked about in, in any of our bullets so far or in any of our podcasts. Um, but current, like the current of the ocean, um, like, you know, is it, is it moving to the right or is it moving to the left? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I say that because once again, I, I could say east or west here on Long Island, but that just isn't the case. Uh, you know, if you're on an island like in Hawaii, Every beach you go is going to have a different uh, current direction, um, but current is controlled partly by uh, the tide, but largely by the wind. Um, the you know if if we get some kind of sideshore wind and like for instance you know we get some kind of west in the wind, we all start kind of floating to the west. A lot of times in the winter here we get uh, nor'easters where we get lots of east wind, and you go to you you'll show up down to the beach and the ocean almost looks like a river. And you think to yourself, well, geez, on on the last conditions like this, the waves were perfect. But now the ocean looks like a raging river that I'm going to do a heck of a lot more paddling than I am surfing. Um, So, you know, current is also a huge piece of surfing. The waves could look really good, but I might not go in just because it's going to be so difficult out there. Um, You know, which means the waves probably aren't that great. But visually, you might say to yourself, wow, that looks like a really good wave. But in reality, uh, yeah, pop in the water trying, to line, down the beach. trying to line up with that really good wave while you're, while you're getting sucked down the beach 10 miles per hour from, you know, from east to west, that's going to make it very difficult to line up with that wave. Right. And whether you decide to do it or not, you just want to have that awareness before you jump in and then be surprised by the fact that you're, you're traveling down the beach away from that wave at 10 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, just knowing what you're getting yourself into, like... You know, just like just like we say when we're talking together, you know, in advance, we're like, oh, well, let's give it a shot. We know it's going to be a lot of work, you know, but let's let's give it a shot. Oh, and but we and, know what we're getting into. Exactly. And then one other thing, really, just to throw everybody for a loop before we close this up. Storm surge. Oh, yeah. All right. Go ahead. Storm surge. Um, so oftentimes when we get a large swell, a lot of times we get higher than normal tides. Anybody who lives on the water who has to deal with flooding knows this. During a storm, if your house doesn't normally flood during a storm, your house probably floods if you're near the water. Um, you know, your basement or whatever, or your street. This also affects the, the waves and the spots that you're familiar with. Mm. If, if you're expecting to go to, you know, your low tide spot that, that breaks only on the lowest of low tides, 
and you show up during a big swell that has a ton of storm surge with it. And just to clarify what storm surge is, it's, uh, it's basically, um, it's the water being pushed up uh, from a storm and it's it's it has a lot to do with the pressure and yeah, the wind like of the storm stacking the water up onto the beach yeah. stacking the water up onto the beach but also it has a lot to do with high and low pressure um, lower pressure actually takes the pressure off the surface of the water and actually allows it to to kind of bulge up a little bit so there's almost like this big bubble of water underneath a low pressure system that's so counterintuitive to me why a lower pressure i would expect a lower pressure to for some reason, in my mind, a lower pressure would be pushing down on no, the water. No, because if I take pressure off of you right now, Chris, oh, less pressure. Your jacket is gonna puff oh, up. So yeah. it's like a storm. Uh, I mean, so it's like right. a storm. So it's a low pressure system. There's less pressure involved. It allows the the surface of the uh, ocean underneath the storm, especially a hurricane that has extremely low pressure, right. to actually like bulge up like a bubble of water. And when that storm hits, there's this whole bubble of water that comes with this storm that will take your four foot high tide and make it an eight foot high tide. Right. So for instance, Hurricane oh, Sandy, it. most people, you know, most people, at least in the United States, knows what happened to, um, to the Northeast a couple of years ago during Hurricane Sandy. We got a storm that happened to fall, a, a borderline hurricane that happened to fall on a spring tide when there was a full moon. And this full moon spring tide, along with the tidal surge, along with the swells, which don't necessarily affect the, uh, the actual tide height, ended up being something like an 11-foot tide. Wow. And an 11-foot tide is what inundated plus most waves. of Long Beach, plus waves pushing in. Wow. Um, and a if lot the of wind is onshore and it's pushing water in even more, it literally is a recipe for disaster. So storm surge is also something that you have to take into account. You'll notice that anytime you go down to the beach, when there's a storm in the area or a storm just left the area, the high tide line is much higher than normal. Mm. That's going to affect the wave feeling the bottom too. But the only thing that you have going for you with during a storm is that the waves are probably bigger. So they're going to be more likely to grab the bottom and feel the bottom where and when you want them to. Um, but, but storm surge is another X factor that you do have to take into account, mm -hmm. really just to twist everything that we just said. Yeah. <laughs> one more variable to kind of <laughs> twist you up a little bit. Well, like we, like we began this podcast with, Tide is one of the toughest ones, but, um, you know, to really get, wrap your head around. But uh, thanks for that, Mr. Schwab. That, this was a real highlight for you. You know, you really got a good grasp on the Tide, and even I learned a little something extra. Um, so I, I hope <laughs> we helped clarify some things instead of making them more confusing. But it tends to be the, the way as you learn. I mean, you, if you start made it more, more confusing, just, just go back to your red, blue, and green. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, no, no. It's good. Yeah. It's good. They're gonna, you're going you're gonna to take these things into consideration. It's not that you know now. It's that you know what to observe. And, yes. and you have a little better understanding of what the tide is and how it's affected by the moon cycle and, and how, what the swell is and what the dimensions of a swell are and how the wind is a factor in all these things. And when you go to the beach and you look at the waves, you should have all of these points in your mind and, and why the ocean may look like the way it does. It's a conglomerate. Yeah, just, a, that's what you got to do. That, exactly what Chris just, You just have to kind of observe and think about those variables that we were talking about. Observe think about and compare. The swell. Observe, Observe and, and compare. compare. Observe and compare. And, and you know, if, if you want to take it to the next level and then take notes like we suggested and, and, you know, try to really compare the next time you get something similar on the, on the radar, uh, that's just going to make, make this all a lot easier and a lot more streamlined and, and make you a better um, surf forecast observer um, <laughs> in the future. 
Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys take this information and, and you try to utilize it instead of us just scaring you away with all the yeah. variables. <laughs> uh, yep. All right. So uh, thanks for tuning in, you guys. Hopefully that was a good series for you. It'll at least inch you a little bit closer on your way to understanding uh, the medium, which we so enjoy, the ocean. Uh, and why these waves are the way they are today and why they're different tomorrow and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the KookCast, you should do that. Get on iTunes, get on Stitcher, wherever you listen to this thing and subscribe. Uh, if they have a little rating system, I know iTunes does, you just hit those five stars. Just five. It's so easy. You just click it. And if you got any questions, comments, criticisms, all equally received, um, you can write them into info at thesurfcontinuum.com. This was uh, the surf forecasting series with uh, Eric Schwab as my professional uh, help and, and guest on the show. Thank you very much, Mr. Schwab. Yes, you're very welcome. Go that ahead, was my you have pleasure. to say? Um, yeah, no, just going to and... plug myself again. Uh, Salty Visions on Instagram. I do, um, I do get a lot of feedback. I, I do often do educational pieces on there as well as part of my posts, um, which, which are generally very well received. It's something that I always try to... Uh, I try to actually do, consciously try to do. Um, sometimes it just doesn't flow as naturally, so I can't do it all the time. Um, but, but you can follow along and you can, you can continue to learn uh, more things if, if you follow me on there. That's right, yeah, definitely do that. It's not just beautiful photography and imagery, but it's just really educational, insightful, thoughtful, um, good stuff. And sometimes political, sorry. <laughs> sometimes. 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 Yeah, right. <laughs> One every three. No, hey. that's not true. Hey. <laughs> it's not true. We love you. I keep it clean. I keep it clean. Yep. Um, all right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, let us know what you thought, and we'll catch you next week. Woo!